everyone, and welcome to another episode of Girls Like Us, the podcast that asks the question, what does a degree in literature get you with the uh, answer, a podcast about books for children. Sophie, how are you doing this fine Sunday morning? You know, I need to up my vitamin D dosage. I'm in that like winter period where like I can't force myself to do anything. Like there is, I have no, like going to the grocery store and coming back and unloading the groceries today was like a Herculean task. I heard an amazing song this morning that I'd never heard before called Trader Ho. I I suggest you all look it up. It's this girl. She's like, trade a hoe, trade a hoe, trade a hoe. And then she says, I see the mother stores. I'm never walking through the dough. Trade a hoe, trade a hoe, trade a hoe. Um, which is, I feel like, an accurate description since I live about, don't talk to me, I live about two minutes from a Trader Joe's. So, you know, I'm, that's basically our fridge at this point. Um, yeah, at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That's me with Giant Eagle. Real Ohio oh ones know about Giant well, Eagle. Well, yeah, that's... That's interesting because Giant Eagle is, I only have gone to it in Columbus. So I don't, it's not even in, there's no Giant Eagle in Cincinnati. No, Giant Eagle is like Columbus specific, I think. Um, Yeah. Giant Eagle is, uh, there's something called a Giant Eagle Market District, which is like a big Giant Eagle. Um, (gasps) Wait, okay. Market District was one that Meg would always talk about as being really good. A really good grocery store in Indiana. So. Yeah. yeah, Market District is fantastic because you kind of get the vibe and experience of a Whole Foods, but mm-hmm. with the pricing of a giant eagle. Like, I'm trying to really be, I'm somebody who, like, I get really lazy at the grocery store. So, like, I don't, like, check prices of things. So, like, yeah. today, for example, I ended up, until I went back and reread some things, I had a container of strawberries in my cart that was literally $8. Yeah. Um, and so for somebody like me, like, I have to be very, like, I'm trying to be a lot more careful with price checking things at the grocery store, especially with all this inflation going on. Am I right? Yeah, <laughs> that I don't. <laughs> the economy. Um, and I know what's wrong with the economy. Um, I don't feel, I don't feel that, that I need to say what it is because we all know. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, Let's just say his name starts with B and ends in. N. <laughs> Bo- Bowden. <laughs> Bowden. Um, but, you know, so I'm trying to be really good at, like, price checking at the grocery store. And Giant Eagle also, we love a rewards program. Giant Eagle has a great, like, points rewards program. So, yeah. um, you know, I yesterday was being, well, you know what, you know, I, I woke up at, like, noon yesterday, which is embarrassing. Wow. Um, but yeah, but I, I was like, okay, I need to get out of the house immediately. So I walked up to CVS. I had a prescription to pick up. Um, and I also there, you know, I was like, oh, we need butter and milk. I'll see I'll see if I can get those. Milk was almost $5. Butter was $8. So That's I did insane. not buy it there. It was ridiculous. No. But what I did buy was a little hot pink Essie nail polish. Because um, okay. yes. I feel like every time I get, I pick up a prescription, I do deserve a treat. Like for you know taking care of my mental yeah. health, um. So I right. needed to get a little essy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to be really. I don't know. Like I am trying to live like somebody who uh, makes the amount of money that I make, which is no money. Um, I'm yeah. trying to be good about 
the fact that I don't have really, I don't have a paying job right now. Um, I am not getting manicures anymore. Rest in peace. Mm. Um, I told myself, swore to myself that I will not get a facial until um, I (laughs) am employed again, Um, which is tough because I like my one pleasure in life is getting a facial. So I'm really going through it right now. So these little trips to Giant Eagle where I have to price check all of the berries kind of feel like a slap in the face, if I'm being honest. Yeah, the fruit is, that's that's one thing in this economy. It's hard to buy fruit. I'll tell you what, I've been doing cuties. It really is. Because cuties are also the one fruit yeah. I do not get tired of. I get tired of blood oranges. I get tired of, but I, I got bananaed out. I ate so much bananas like last summer that now I have not touched a banana in like eight months because- I like the texture of it. I just got tired of the texture. And that happens That's to crazy. a lot. And cuties are very consistent. I've never gotten like an off cutie. Like yeah. if a cutie is bad, it's just kind of bland. But right. it, you're never going to get a, a texture issue. And that's that's my thing with fruit sometimes is if it's a gross texture, I like can't, I don't want to eat it. I got sick of apples because there's something that happens yeah. to me with apples. Like all of a sudden I turn into like, like a Bella Hadid figure where, like, I can't, no matter how hard I try, no matter the size of an apple, I cannot finish the apple. I'm like, oh, it's so big. Like, it's so Ooh. big. How am I going to finish this whole thing? Like, oh, my God, it's so much food. And so I was, like, an wasting apple a bunch of apples. Your mouth, though. I feel like yeah. an apple, like, takes away some of, like, nature's gift to us of saliva. Like, it, it removes... Well, an apple does seem very big. Yes, and it also, like... It's so much fiber that it just, like, fills up yeah. your stomach. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like eating a bunch of, like, raw kale, which I did do the other day oh, for lunch. Yeah. And, like, that immediately, I felt sick for, like, the next five hours because I just had a bunch of, like, full-ass, like, rubber sitting in my stomach. We've, speaking of, like, the economy, like, we are going to stop buying salad mix in our household because we just never finish it off. Yes. So we're moving to more just, like, doing, like, broccoli or, like, peas or whatever with every meal because I, and I love, I, Meg is not as into this as I am, but my preferred salad mix is just arugula. Yeah. But even that goes bad, even though, and so when we get, usually we'll do, like, a spinach and, like, you know, spinach spring mix. Yeah. And the spinach just goes bad so quickly. It really um, does. That's why. So I don't buy spring. Like I don't buy the mixture anymore either for that same reason, because there was a time in my life where I was eating. Like there was a time in my life where I would go through a box of it, like in like three days, like when I was like yeah. eating at home more, Um, you know, like during, during lockdown, like I was like, I couldn't get enough. But mm-hmm. now it's, like, the same thing where it's, like, I don't, you know, like, I would eat, like, half a box in one sitting and, like, it's just not happening anymore. Um, and so now what I do is I just buy the spinach only and I freeze half of it to either use later in, like, Smart. smoothies or to, like, cook it. But, like, I need it to be multi-purpose. And when it's the mix, like, you, you don't want to cook the lettuce or the arugula, right? No, so it's like, you need to pick out. Yeah, because we've made, like, sog paneer before, and, like, Meg has just had to, like, go through and, like, pick out the um, oh, the spinach. Humiliating. Yeah. Humiliating. Yeah. You can't have your woman doing that. That's unacceptable. Well, it's foraging. It's her natural no. instinct. No. That's that's <laughs> abuse. That's full. Like, we Meg, get in the kitchen and pick the spinach out of the spring mix. We were talking earlier because uh, Nick is uh, 
gone down to the Cincinnati thrift shop to buy some Japanese clothing. And we were just saying, honey, (laughs) you know how to get your man out of the house. Just give him a credit card, okay? And tell him to go down to that Japanese clothing store, right? Give your man a credit card and say that you saw like a vintage Please Please uh, shirt down at Valley Thrift. And he's hopping in the the RAV4 right away and getting the Yeah, you know men. Yeah. Men be shopping. You, you tell cannot them, stop a man from shopping. You tell them, baby, I heard some uh, somebody with a collection of uh, 1980s Missoni died it in just Milford. Died. You better get to Valley Thrift and see if any of it ended up on the shelves. Have um, you ever been to an estate sale? I don't think I have. Hmm. I have many times. Um, I, I will give you a, a warning, though, specifically about Chicago estate sales, is like, I think that um, there's like, so things that sometimes in the Chicago suburbs um, mm-hmm. are that are advertised as estate sales are not, in fact, estate sales. That It's like you get there and it's a neighborhood full of like old Eastern European people um, in their driveways selling what is definitely like stolen laundry detergent. <laughs> oh, um, <no. laughs> yeah. Because this has happened to us a few times where it's been like, oh, like, we're going to go out to an estate sale. And, like, to be clear, like, some of them are legitimate estate sales. Like, you get out there, like, you buy some rugs. And they're and then, dead. Yeah, they're, the person is dead. They show they're in you. in their coffin. Yeah. They show you to be like, you know, just, this is legit. Just we so didn't you know, steal this is real. Shit. Yeah. He's dead. Um, yeah. And then you'll be like, oh, like, let's go to this other estate sale down the street. Oh, there happened to be, oh, look at this Craigslist ad. There are three estate sales happening at the same block <laughs> something, at the same time. Something bad happened yeah, on this street. Something bad happened on this <laughs> yeah. street. But just got wiped out. And so you'll be like, oh, awesome. Let's go. And then it's a bunch of, like, old people, like, in the driveway with, um, like, just full, like, tubs of Tide where you're selling them for, like, $4 a piece, which, granted, is a great deal, but it, starts, deal. To, it starts to scratch at the mind um, that, you know, where did these come from? Like, how are they able to sell them at such a good price? You know, it starts to, it starts to um, be a little questionable. And and I'm willing to say this because this has happened now to me like four or five times. Like Nick and I <laughs> have like driven out to an estate sale and been like, this is just a bunch of old people selling what appears to be stolen cleaning products, which like honestly, old people make your money. Like get your bag. Yeah, you yeah. might as well. Um, we just watched a movie on Wednesday. Have you ever heard of Laura Lippman or any of her books? She like, okay, she's like a thriller horror author I tried to read one of her books once in the writing sorry Laura it was not good and it was like one of those where you know like a a thriller book where it's like suddenly something incredibly terribly graphic happens to someone and you're like whoa that literally truly came out of left field it was like one of those but we saw like there was a movie based on one of her books with Elizabeth Banks as the detective and we watched it and Dakota Fanning is in it too but the premise of it is these two girls steal this baby and then they the baby dies because they only feed it pudding because what Dakota Fanning's dad boosts pudding. So she just has access to like a truck full of pudding. And then oh. so the baby dies. Because and they're it like, only has they're like, fuck, now we gotta push all this at an estate sale. Like somebody make a Craigslist ad. <laughs> That's actually how they get arrested. It's not for uh the you know manslaughter, it's for uh the, selling the boosted the boosted pudding the boosted pudding um 
Speaking of manslaughter, I have a letter of recommendation for everybody, which is that a good friend of mine who, you know, is somebody in tune with my interests and my general things that uh, fucked up things that I uh, spend time thinking about recommended to me um, a subreddit that I did not know existed, um, which is the um, Ilaria Baldwin subreddit. Um, oh my God. It's a, you know, so for anybody, we've talked about her on the show before because she's the one person in real life who has been, um, both, excuse me, I'm Diet Coke burps, um, both accused of and proven to be, um, a concept invented by Lacey Harrison in the click, which is fanish, fake Spanish. Um, this woman, Alec Baldwin's wife, um, was pretending even it seems to her husband- to be uh, Spanish when, in fact, she is from Boston. Um, and Alec Baldwin is back in the news again. We don't have to say why. We don't have to get into it. It's a dark circumstance. But Did something happen? Did he accidentally kill another person? He's been charged in that case oh. with involuntary manslaughter, which I, I don't, don't even wanna... want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah no. I don't even want to get into it. We don't have to get into that. No. That's not for us. There are news articles about that. It's not important. Uh, what we think about that specific thing. But what is important is that his wife, Ilaria, suddenly is back in the news. After it's been proven that she is not actually Spanish, she, like, mm-hmm. gave a press conference in front of their house the other day, like, while clutching one of their infant children, because they famously have, like, nine children, um, and kept speaking in her fake accent. And it's, like, she's oh literally, gosh. like, it's it's just an incredible. And the subreddit... Uh, is a lot of fun. So if you're looking for a way to spend some time on an afternoon, it's uh, it's a great uh, it's a great read. Um, and the people there are keeping it light, you know, despite the despite the circumstances. The recent um, news, yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. Um, hey, and speaking of sad things, should we get into this book? Rest in peace to my boy Mango. Mango, you, went- you left your space. <laughs> Mang- we're going to go to, we're hopping on to Mango's estate sale. Yeah. Um, we're it's just a, a bunch of bird. stolen laundry <laughs> detergent. <laughs> Boosted hairballs. Um, so, yeah, I guess like, I guess trigger warning, because this book does talk about a death of a pet. Um, however, it is really good. So this book we're talking about, A Mango Shaped Space by Wendy Mass. We've covered her before on the pod with Heaven Looks a Lot Like the Mall, which was like prose poetry, which... Um, Sophie did not like that much. I have a soft spot for it. Um, but I think this, this was just normal, you know, standard fiction form. Um, it's about a girl with synesthesia. She doesn't know at the beginning of the book what it is, um, because she was once made fun of for it. And she kind of assumes that like everyone, like she assumes that it's something weird, but perhaps like everyone has a concept of this. Synesthesia is of course, when basically your sense neurons, um, are, in in your brain, like cross essentially. So it's like, oh, when you see the number two to you, like, like there's like a pink overlay or like when you smell popcorn, like you feel like a square in your hand or something, which is very cool. Um, and the mango shaped space in this, it, it refers to this girl who has a cat named Mango who dies at some point in the book. Um, which is, yeah. this book made me cry. I cried after for a good like 15 minutes. Because I thought about Aww. Cookie. I thought about what Aww. if Cookie just left a little liver-shaped space. And Cookie's a sickly dog. Well, she's not sickly right now, knock on wood, but she's prone to sickliness. Yeah. It made me sad. 
Yeah, well, you know, keep in mind that Mango, I think, canonically only had, like, one lung. One lung, Um, yeah. So, you know, like, Cookie can outrun Mango any day um, in terms of... Yeah, uh, she's good. Yeah, health and... um, Cookie also, I think, does like to be a little bit dramatic. Uh, Oh, Or I guess we should say we're dramatic. Because she'll just be like, she's like, I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding, and then and then she'll stop. But I think we're past all that since hopefully she will not have to have surgery again in her lifetime. But um, yeah, you know what happens happens. Maybe she right. wants to like get new titties, get, or get pet insurance. Literally, yeah. Tr- truly serious side note: if you get a uh, any sort of pet, it is worth it to get pet insurance. We have ours through Lemonade. It's like thirty dollars a month, and that's probably because she has pre-existing conditions. But literally, without pet insurance, it would have been, like, thousands of dollars for her surgery. And it was, like, and it was not even close to that. It was, like, 20% of that. So, get, if you have a pet, you will thank yourself later if anything happens. You got to get that pet insurance. Real. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. So, um, Wendy Mass is, uh, this was, like, her first, like, big breakout book. It came out in 2003. Mm -hmm. Um. Which is way earlier than I thought, to be honest. Yeah. Um, she, so that was, this was 20 years ago. She is in her mid-50s now. So she wrote this book when she was in her mid-30s. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think is interesting. Like, she worked a lot of, like, odd jobs and stuff while, I shouldn't say odd jobs. She worked a lot of, like, literary industry adjacent jobs while she was, um, yeah writing this book and other early books and just sort of, you know, is like somebody who like worked her way up through the industry, which I think is funny, like, because that's not really like an industry that has like, you can do jobs that. anymore. Um, yeah, no. I'm just always interested hearing about these people like her, like, um, Sarah Shepard, like, Lisi, who kind of, like, were either in some sort of publishing industry or, like, adjacent to it, who, like, wanted to be writers, who, like, worked their way into it through doing other yeah. things. And I just feel like if you, like, like, yeah, th- does that industry still exist? Do people have jobs Propped in it? Up sure. by alloy entertainment. But, well, yes. I know of a job that people can have in industry, because I saw what was the wildest sponsored TikTok. It was this girl from Book Talk, and she was, like, it clearly, like, aimed at, like, you know, teenagers. She's like, you guys, you have to check out this book. It's called Women Talking. And there's a movie coming out about it. And guys, this book is crazy, which of course is a a book about um, systemic sexual assault in the Mennonite community. So number one, not like a light read. And number two, not something that I think teens are going to be like, oh yeah, I got to pick up this book. I was just like, who from like whatever, like Simon and Schuster is like paying for this and being like, this is our target audience. Like guys, uh, this book is crazy. (laughs) Like I wouldn't say it's necessarily crazy. I would say that it's like fucked up. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's, like, always interesting to kind of, like, you get a glimpse, like, at reading these people's bios about their, um, their sort of, the the different economy that existed back then in the literary mm-hmm. world that just doesn't, I mean, like, like, it doesn't seem to exist now, you know, because we kind of work through this podcast, like, we sort of work, like, in a in a distant branch of that world, and we deal with people in that world, and, like, most of the jobs in that world now are, have moved from, like, editorial things to, like, 
what takes up Publicist. all jobs. Yeah, like publicist, like marketing, like yeah. what I, yeah, marketing publicists, like what I would say, like I don't know, anecdotally, like most of the people that I know work in, um, like you know, well, digital I, media things. And I would have to well. assume, I'm sure that this is not a novel idea, but like <laughs> a novel idea, am I right, honey? Um, but I, I would have to imagine that is because let's say in the 1990s, of course, yeah, there were computers, but you probably were not logging on to www newyorker.com, right? You did have to pay to consume media in a way that we do yeah. not anymore, like even with paywalls and stuff. And you're not paying for print subscriptions. So I will say, I bit the bullet. I did get a real simple subscription the other day and a Cosmo because I li- I just like reading. I like having magazines around the house and I would buy I have a Cosmo every subscription. Month. Yeah. Real simple every month really adds up, but I love real simple. So Yeah. No, it's fun. It's like, it's one of those things where like when I don't feel like reading a book at night, I like reading a magazine because it it's like, it yeah. fills the phone void, but it's not. Absolutely. Putting uh, 5G into my brain, which is something. And you're still on the like capitalistic, like it's still like, oh, here's the like lip balm that we tested. Yes. But I kind of get it. You know, I do think someday on this pod, we should review, well, I do want to review the, um, Lauren Conrad's style book at some point. And then adjacent to that, there are a lot of like 17 books on like style and makeup that I think would be really fun to look at. Because oh, yeah. I loved those. Yeah, those were library regulars. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, but the, something that's interesting to me after, you know, so we read, this was now a few years ago that we read the Heaven Looks Like a Lot Like the Mall uh, book. And, um uh, the, and that's the only, excuse me, that's the only Wendy Mass book that we've read, um, so far, but it's, she definitely has, like, something that was, I think, a little bit more acceptable back in the day, which is, like, a touch of, like, blatant Christianity is going on in, like, both of these books, um, which is now something that, like, if you were to pick up a YA book read in, and, and not to say that she is, like, you know, like a dogmatic Christian, because I don't think that she is. Well, the but if family's you were to a little up, bit agnostic, yes. I would say. Yeah. But specifically, they talk about like Christianity and like God in a very like Jesus exists sort of sense. Um, yeah. And I think that it's interesting because if you were to pick up a book, a mass market YA book written in 2023 that had something as blatant as like, we are Christians, but it's not really part of the story, people would be like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, I think that it's, yeah. like, it was a lot well, at more— at least it's not a go-ask Alice where she's like, oh, my friend went to Jewish camp, and she yeah. got back, and she's dating this Jewish jerk. Um, yeah. We don't have any of that in here, luckily. Uh, right, but I just—I don't mean it in a bad or a good from, way. I think yeah. it's just an—I in- think it's interesting the way that, like, those— Well, this is in the middle of those two might... extremes. Like, it's like, I went yes. to my priest, and he got me off of drugs— Versus, like, now you would not expect that. So this is kind of in the middle and probably in a time where religion was uh, maybe not as polarizing as it was back then or or now. I don't know. The, the religion just, was online. The religion yes, was I, computer. I think that socially, like like, this book portrays a sort of, like, ambient, like, normative, Christianity that now, like, 
it's just a different way than that people would live now or write about characters now. Like, I just, I think that it's like, it's kind of a time capsule because of like how things in like the way that people sort of what people expect out of characters, especially in like YA fiction and like books written for dumb adults. Like you don't Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I, I just thought like there's something to be said about opening a book and being like, Oh, there's just like a sort of ambient underlying Christianity to this book. Like, that's interesting rather than like, I don't know, like any other sort of book that's like taught in schools now where I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I just, I think that there's something about that that feels very in this time that like would no longer be something that just passed ambiently under the radar. Well, because I think specifically like with the Christianity now, like it is, like that i mean i know that that's like always been in in politics obviously but it is there's kind of and i was going to say this book was like a pre 911 but it's not it's like 2003 but there is i think a little bit of that that sensibility to it where i don't think people were as like um gung ho about their own christianity in a way that is unproductive and you know, xenophobic, but that is something that we see now. Um, I think and it's have most, continued it's, to I see. I think it's more, though, just like the political connotation of Christianity, whether it be to literal Christians or to like non-Christians. Yeah. Um, because I think that there are a lot of people, obviously, who still live with, like, an ambient sort of non-politicized, non-activist Christianity. Well, I mean, technically, like, but, we do. Like, I can be, like, agnostic, but, like, you know, culturally, I still am Christian because I celebrate Christmas and stuff. So that, Yeah, but I it, mean people perhaps, who, like, believe in Jesus. No, I know. But but I'm saying that, like, it. I think that maybe it permeated the culture in a different, in a more subtle way back then, because I think that that was just like more, not that it's not the norm now, but um, it it, it definitely is. There's, there's different connotations to it now um, in terms of what you assume someone believes in their political sphere. Um, Even though that's maybe, maybe not fair all the time. And like, of course it is, weaponized obviously by political figures um in a way that it probably I don't know I'm I'm kind of speaking on my ass here I don't know what it was like in the 90s but I do assume that like maybe like it's like oh we're going to church like that was not something that immediately maybe made you infer things about someone's political sphere no I think that that's true I think that like coming out of like a pre like a pre-internet, like, pre, like, ubiquitous computing, like, social media thing. Like, the tr- we know, like, historically, socially, politically, like, the church used to be, you know, the fundamental, like, even as recent as, like, the 60s and 70s, like, the fundamental, like, social mechanism in, in yeah. people's lives. Yeah. So, like, to this book feels like a time capsule in that really subtle way um, that still kind of captures when Christianity of like white folks who lived in rural areas was a non-politicized, non, um, non-political, like sort of unquestioned, unexamined norm 
rather yes. than the way that we think about it now, which is examining it, whether it be for good reasons or bad or reasons. Bad. Yeah. yeah, including, like, the idea that, like, I think also now, like, if you, I'm assuming back then it's like, okay, there's one church in our town, we're going to go to it. That's something very different now where people, I think rightfully so, are examining like, hey, like, what are your views on like gay marriage? Um, And obviously people can use that in the opposite negative way too. But I think um, people are more likely now to make sure that whatever their, the specific like institutions brand of Christianity is, is something that aligns with their moral values, where if probably that you were not thinking about that as much. And it does feel, it does feel very different because it's like, well, your religious beliefs are one thing, political beliefs are another, but just as we become more into this like interconnected world and all these things overlap, um, nowadays you, you're going to want to verify some of that stuff. Well, I also Um, think it's like a function of like the, like the surveillance state too, where like we used to have a lot less access surveillance state slash like, like, including social media in that. Like, we used to have a lot less access and therefore a lot less, like, awareness and care about, like, the opinions of those around us. Like, we sort of You couldn't go on your church's website and see, like, you know, this is what we believe in. Yeah. Or you couldn't, like, you didn't know if, like, you didn't know if your neighbor thought it was okay to be gay. And you probably, in a lot of cases, didn't care one way or the other because it was not— a value that was normative to care about. Yeah, and it was not to make... Like, lives were a lot more privatized and therefore Mm -hmm. opinions were a lot more privatized. So I think it's just... It's just interesting because similar to, like, I was talking about before we were recording, I'm reading um, Brett Easton Ellis's uh, The Shards right now. And, like, you know, think whatever you want about Brett Easton Ellis, but, like, he... It's, like, a work of autofiction and something that's interesting. It's very, you know, it's tertiary to, like, what's happening in the book, but... He, um, a lot of his books at least have, like, an underlying sort of thinking, musing about, like, class. Because he grew up very privileged. Mm -hmm. He's writing about, ostensibly, like, a character based on him or maybe that is him in the 1980s at, like, an elite prep school in Los Angeles. And he talks about, and, like, he's um, a queer person. And, like, he talks about, like, um like, right at the time of the book, like, Reagan, like, where the book is set, like, Reagan had just been elected, and, like, there's notes throughout the book as to, like, him literally noting, like, I did, like, it's impossible to, like, understate how much this meant to us, Mm -hmm. like, it just was not, like, and to think about high schoolers, even just 40 years ago, having, like, little, even, even high schoolers, like, in the upper echelon, like, having no, political awareness or, like, thoughts or discussions Mm -hmm. about, like, something that now is, like, as a major historical event as, like, Reagan's election and, like, intersecting, like, with his queerness and stuff. It's always interesting to get those time capsules. His queerness. Reagan's Reagan's queerness. Reagan's queerness. Reagan's queerness. (laughs) I meant that. I meant that. I meant that. Um, That's a GLU Easter egg. Um, That means I have confirmation. Yeah, we do know Reagan's gay. We can't share that. And that's why you have to subscribe to our Patreon. Um, Um... it, what what's interesting with that? So two things. One one thing that I'm just going to share is because we watched Showgirls like last week. Fuck which yeah. If you haven't seen, I mean, I like unironically loved it. Like, Me too. I mean, it's a great it in movie. the same sphere. Yeah. Um, except for one specific scene, which the director did say was a mistake, but cut that cut that <laughs> very graphic scene out. I loved it. Um, and it, I place it in the same category as a Lindsay Lohan film I watched recently. I know who killed me, which is very great movie. very similar. Great movie. Yeah. Um, 
but I kind of went down a Wikipedia um, rabbit hole of like erotic thrillers. And I just, this theory was so interesting to me um, is that basically like, there's an idea that why, you know, basic instinct, fatal attraction, fear, all these really like horned up nineties movies. um, Those, uh, there's an idea that, that these erotic thrillers kind of came into the mix because people were afraid of sex. Like people like sex was tied because of AIDS to suffering, to death. And that's why these thrillers kind of came to pass in kind of contrast to the like very like seventies, like, like porn boom. And then in the two thousands when also, you know, you could access porn more easily. Like, so it did fill that thing that, um, whole, so to speak, but it also (laughs) filled, um, like, like the, the kind of need to, to have, there have to be like consequences for sex because people have sex and then there's consequences. Then the other interesting thing I was going to say was, well, the other interesting thing. Well, the thing that I think is interesting when we're talking about Brett Easton Ellis and like American Psycho is both American Psycho as a movie and Fight Club as a movie are interesting because those have become so masculinized even though they were based on satires by queer men yes. about masculinity, yeah. which I do think is really interesting. And I've men are famously illiterate, like just yeah. fucking illiterate. Like, <laughs> they're not, um, they're not reading it. Yeah. Well, they're just like not, it's like cultural illiteracism. You know what I mean? It's the same way that like, yeah. like now we're having this whole sort of like conversation again about girls and people being like, wow, like, Girls is actually so good. And it's like the whole thing was supposed to be fucking stupid. Like the whole right. point of that show is that it was like nearly like a slapstick comedy. Um, oh, I had an idea for a parody, which was show girls. Like what would yeah. the girls be like if they're in show girls? Oh God. <laughs> Nightmare. Like, he totally fucking. And then he he said to me like, like uh, why um didn't, um isn't it nice to have like no one come on you anymore? And I was like, just totally like blown away. <laughs> That's supposed to be Shoshana. I can't. There's a girl on TikTok who does yeah, really no, good girl good. impressions. She has like dark brown hair and glasses, yeah. and that's all. That was a good show. That was she, a good Shoshana. That was a good Shoshana. Yeah. Um, oh, why did you send me that girls quiz a few weeks ago? Because Michelle had sent it to me. Oh, I I got Shosh. Yeah, I got Marnie. I was thinking we could because I'm I'm traumatized by getting Marnie. Um, well, I am a Marnie. I think I think I'm a Marnie Shosh combo. Yeah. Which is bad. That's a yes. bad thing but to But I guess be, they're but... all bad. Like, that's the thing, is that they really are all... It, they really are all undesirable characters to to get. Yeah. Um, okay, Unless you so, got Adam or Ray. I guess Ray would be... Okay. I'd be okay with getting Ray, but... I definitely, like, on the real, am Ray. I just, like, couldn't answer a lot of the Ray answers because, like, you know, I have a job. Except I don't have a job. I have, I'm working towards having a job. Yeah, Um, you're working towards. I'm working towards having a job, which I guess, yeah. Anyway, um, so this book, like Franny said, is about this girl getting diagnosed with synesthesia. And it's, Mm -hmm. it happens during her eighth grade year, which like, as we all know, as hopefully people who have gone to eighth grade, um, that that's like a time of transition and um, I can really relate to her because in eighth grade is when I had to start wearing glasses. So I can really relate to her in this sense. Yeah. <laughs> Similarly, um, a big medical transition. So a big medical I can transition. Relate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the whole book is, you know, she like 
it's like very much like a like a coming of age, um, you know, where she's like learning to like that she's like quote unquote different because she has this synesthesia and um, you know, it kind of draws her away from like her best friend Jenna. Um, because Jenna's mad at her that like she didn't tell her that she's like basically had synesthesia her whole life. Um and she gets And closer. Jenna's mom had died too as well. Yes. Um and it makes her like closer to like people that she meets with synesthesia, but mm-hmm. turns out those aren't her true friends. Mm-hmm. Um which I think well, and the other thing is that Mango she uh, a year ago her grandpa died and then mango um she found as a kitten at his funeral so she kind of and in her mind she's like well i think some of his grandpa's soul went into mango and then when mango dies because the cat is dying the whole book he has like bad lung problems and then she accidentally like he gets left outside um, and then they come in and they have to try to airlift Mango in her dad's helicopter, which I forgot why the yeah. dad has a helicopter. That was kind of... I did and too. Mango I was. Dies. I listened to this book on audiobook and it was like all of a sudden, like they were talking about the dad's helicopter, like at the beginning of the book and I did not catch oh, why and I was just like, I'm not going back. won many awards and I was reading, it was narrated by the woman who originated Little Red in Into the Woods. I don't care. I don't care about that. <laughs> That woman's like a million care. years Pivotal old now. In theater no, history. No, um, don't care. Not interesting. Yeah. I think part of it that I liked. Well, okay, so I was reading kind of like the reception to it, and it really pissed me off because while authors liked it, like Judy Bloom and and May Cabot have praised this book. Um, a lot of the reviews were like, well, there were too many characters and the ups and downs she goes through are like that of a normal teen girl when it was really more interesting to read about the synesthesia. And like, are you dumb? That's the point. The, like, this was an amazing coming of age book that kind of used that, like, yeah, because it's she could have been going through anything and she could have like discovered like a new hobby that she loved and kind of gotten too attached to that. But she's getting too attached to, to the kind of the synesthesia she has because, and it's, alienating her against because it's not even that she is like she's had this her whole life she's finding like ways to enhance it and stuff but that is also making her kind of draw apart from other people and her being like well I'm she because she is special but she's she's not kind of recognizing interesting traits in other people um right obviously I would love to have synesthesia I think that's so cool yeah um Everybody, yeah. like, a few years ago, like, it was one of those things where, like, everybody was claiming to have synesthesia because, yeah. like, Lord, when Lord released melodrama, and, like, I'm sure everybody remembers this, but, like, one of the big talking points was, like, because she had worked with Jack Antonoff on that album, is that she was like, I have synesthesia, and, like, Jack Antonoff kind of has synesthesia. Kind and of. basically, <laughs> yes, kind of has synesthesia. <laughs> and basically, everybody who is a good musician working these days, like, kind of has synesthesia. Like, like I think, like, Maggie Rogers was, like, claiming to have synesthesia. Like, it was all in the yeah. news. Like, every BuzzFeed article was, like, top 10 things to know about synesthesia because everybody who's anybody has it. And it was, like, yeah. one of those, like, people were starting to be, like, oh, my God, it's blue. Like, I'm hearing blue. And it was, like, I don't know. It was kind no. of, like, the it, the it neurological uh, disorder of the, yeah. I wouldn't even say it's, like, a disorder, though. Like, neurological, like, 
Well, I didn't, I like looked at like, you know, as, as most of my research consists of, I looked at the Wikipedia article for it. Um, and I didn't see this, but in the book, they say that they think that the, the doctor in the book says, this is something that people are born with and most people just grow out of it, which like these paths are created. And I have to say the way that he talked about it reminded me of how people talk about foot fetishes where they're like, well, those wires are crossed. (laughs) Um, But it literally seems like a similar thing. It's like these wires are crossed. That's okay. That's fine. Um, But that's just obviously in a different part, probably part of cortex of your brain. Um, Yeah. This is all in whatever one houses all the senses. Um, yeah. And she, I mean, I have to say like, all, she gets annoyed because all the kids in her class are like asking her like, what does my name sound like? I would have asked her what my name sounded like. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Well, this is like the annoying thing is that like, like good, we beat good curiosity behavior out of people by like saying it's rude. And it's like, it is probably rude in a lot of it situations, but like, why would kids, like, a kid asking somebody what their name sounds like isn't inherently rude. Like, yeah. bitch, you never got any attention at school until now. Like, take one day and just fucking tell everybody what their name sounds yeah. like. Like, that's not I exactly... I guess she doesn't get... I, I think she actually doesn't get too upset about it until one girl is, like, mean to her about it. And it's like, you better yeah. be careful. Like, they're gonna hold you back a grade. Um, but, um, uh, this book, to go back to the reviews another review was like, Kirkus was like, kids aren't easily going to be, you know, uh, coaxed into reading this book. And I was like, I read this book at the light. I don't know. It just, it really made me upset because I was like, what about, and this was 2003 granted, but it did seem a little bit like, well, this girl is just a normal girl with this. Like it felt very much like, why would we want to read about a girl who's normal? Um, I I don't know. I, I really admire Wendy Mass a lot. I've read, I think her books are all very inventive. Um, and it, that made me kind of upset, honestly, to read like all these like negative reviews of this book like just because they're like, well, there are too many characters, which, which like, there's there like characters five who don't characters. have to do with the plot. Yeah. And I was like, this is a normal girl's life. And yeah, there's, they're very easy to keep track of. Like, I guess, cause there's kind of two love interests. There's, this was very funny. There's this boy that she meets on the synesthesia form and then they meet together at a conference and then he's like, can I kiss you? And she's like, sure. And then her cat dies. And then he's like, oh, your mom said that this is why you didn't come to the conference. I still kind of think you should have come. I don't really like cats that much, but I guess you do. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, what a jerk. <laughs> but then there's this other boy named Roger who, this made me cry at the beginning too. She's at the vet with Mango and he brings in his so dog sad. in to get put down. And then you hear the dog like yelp. And the he's like, I thought it wasn't supposed to hurt him. And the doctor's oh. like, oh, it's just a needle. It made me cry so much. Um but he's also, that was kind of a cute one because then at that, he always wears mismatched socks. And then at the end you learn it's because he's he's colorblind and he just like didn't care enough to like wow. match them. Um, wow. But they're like, a, a like a, and they're, it's not like even super romantic, their, their love interest. It could just be like friend as well, but yeah. he definitely has a crush on her. But it, that was, I thought, sweet and like a cute way to like, I don't know, go with it. Yeah. Yeah, they're like 13, so it's like, I wasn't, yeah. I, it wasn't, you know, it's no the shards. I'm not looking for, like, full descriptions of, you know, penetrative sex. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, something I really liked about this book 
was just sort of the reflections on death and the reflections on like mm-hmm. grief and like because you know the whole thing is you know her grandpa has died like a year before and then the cat dies and um you know it's sort of foreshadowing in the beginning when she takes the cat to the vet and she hears you know Roger's animal being put down um and there's no like there's no resolution to those things you know it's just yeah. sort of like an underlying theme of the book which i think one if people review books in a bad faith way like that and not thinking like the idea of like reading about death and grief, especially, I don't know, like for me was like very intriguing when I was mm-hmm. a tween because like in our culture, it's not something like we talk about frankly a lot. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and no, we like, have like a very like, like anti, not anti death, but, and I think maybe more and more discussions of grieving are coming into it, but that is something that I think specifically in American culture, like we are not open to the, the the different aspects of someone dying essentially like even like ways that that you know you can spiritually yeah like metaphorically kind of like it's i think it's hard for americans because of our because of how we are um and and because of our 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 stilted culture but yeah we don't have a good relationship with death right so i think that like as a child when you're trying to like work out feelings about these big ideas and like you're you're forming your own thoughts and opinions it's very intriguing to read books like this like I loved sad books as a tween Mm -hmm. more so like I really don't like sad books now because I feel like I don't know like I'm like okay life is sad I get it like yeah we get it we live here exactly like when you're a tween and you're trying to like have space to think about those things without having to like initiate conversations that you feel might be uncomfortable Books like this are very intriguing. Like, 13 Reasons Why flew off the shelves. Um, right. Fault in Our Stars. Yeah, people if love I that If I Stay shit. Before I Fall. Yeah. Uh, all these, yeah. Um, I don't know. So I just think that, like, people really undersell... Uh, people really undersell... Um, I don't know, teens' abilities to or tweens' abilities or desires to read things like this. Like, I think that it's... And I think also something that this book does well is that it's not trauma porn in the way that, like, a 13 Reasons Why is, because it's something that probably most children can relate to, a grandparent dying and a pet dying. Yes. Um, Still very sad and still makes you think about, about death and, like, also with, like, like, there's a part in the book and, like, because like all teens do when you're going through kind of this transition into adulthood, you become very self-centered. This girl is basically like, well, you don't understand how I'm feeling about my pet dying to her best friend whose mom died because you didn't cause your mom to die. And it's like, whoa. But that, that being said, like, that's like what teens go through and kind of, I think need to cathartically read about because you do feel like you are the center of everything because in a way, I mean, that is what you're, why wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you be at that time? Like, you're kind of going through an a, an awakening of sorts, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's just, like, those, all of those feelings, even as, like, ugly as they are and as misguided as they are when we're tweens, are valid, you know? Right. like yeah. And so to see that reflected back is, like, uh, you know, important. In a sympathetic stuff, whatever. way. Yes, yeah. but it's also, like, it's intriguing because you're, like, you know, one of the, the like you said, you know, the self-centeredness and 
of tweendom, like one of the primary features of that self-centeredness is this feeling that nobody understands how I feel and the confusion that I feel around my feelings. One thing I did kind of want to talk about in this that I was like, I don't, do you think this is real or not? When she's talking about basically the um, Mia, our main character starts going to acupuncture because she learns that it can like enhance the senses. Um, And then she starts to be able to see people's auras, which are described as hormones, Um, like, or their pheromones, which I was like that. Do you think that's real? Do you think that there's like a, because I do think she did research on this book and I didn't look deep enough into this, but that seemed, that that to me seemed like a weird mix of like medical and spiritual. Like I didn't know which area it was aiming for. I think that the language in this book definitely puts it into like the spiritual realm. But I believe that if you become focused on a way that you feel sensation, so in this case, like synesthesia, that enhances and that you could train your brain into seeing like colors around people and stuff. Like, I believe that that could be, if you were to like hyperfix, not hyperfix it, but like hyperfocus and sort of flex Mm -hmm. that synesthesia muscle and like get yourself in that mindset that you could um, sort of induce those things like those feelings like that do you like acupuncture have you ever gone i've never done it i know you have i've always been um i've always been interested in doing it um i will try fucking anything like to get a goddamn sense of relief around here um yeah Oh, I am going to go, I think later today, I want to buy, I've been seeing a lot of hype on TikTok about it. The Lush Magnesium Bar is apparently like massage bar. Like it's like a massage lotion bar and magnesium is supposed to like, you know, you do like a magnesium bath to like relax your muscles. It's, it's probably not proven, but it's supposed to like really, you know, essentially help like relax your muscles. Um, Yeah. I'm going to try that. Yeah. That sounds good. I've been using, um. I have this like body oil that's been that I really like that kind of has like muscle relaxing qualities to it. Yeah. Um but I uh, I don't know. I went to like a like I went to a um like I've been going to these meditation classes at this yoga studio by my house that's mm-hmm. like a combination of, like, meditation and um, it's, like, led by this person who, like, also has, like, mental health, like, credentials and, like, degrees mm-hmm. and stuff. So, like, it's kind of, like, a combination of, like, um, like yoga, meditation, and then, like, group therapy. Like, at the beginning, you do, like, a journaling exercise. And then, like, you cool. and, like, whoever, whatever other sorry motherfuckers showed up on a Sunday <laughs> night sort of, like, talk about, like, the theme of the week. And, like, the whole point is to try to, like, do, like, be, like, vulnerable vulnerable, and it's, like, it's free. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. kind of, like, it's oh, taught right? at a yoga That's studio. Nice. Yeah. It's taught at a yoga studio, but it's, like, not, you know, it's, like, more of, like, a community, like, outreach event. And, like, that's been really, like, in terms of, like, bodily relaxation, like, I've been doing it on Sunday nights, and it's, like, a very good, like, prep for the week. And, um, yeah, but I've I've always wanted to try like acupuncture um because i don't know like just the idea of getting like needles stuck into me i'm like i'm into it it feels good and like there's definitely like unlike 
And you know what? I say like, if you like chiropractory and it makes you feel better, like go for it. Like, I, I don't think it's like a long-term approach to it. And like, it probably does not help your immune system or whatever, but it is like a relief. Like your, your neck might feel better for, at least with me, it was always like a temporary thing. It's like, this works as a pain reliever for a little bit. Um, but isn't it like, like, don't you have to like, like, isn't it possible that they could like fuck you up at the chiropractor? Like that's what yeah, scares me. You, it, it is. And like, you could, that means, I think it's basically, it, there are very scary parts of it, but I don't want to like yuck anyone's yum as far as that goes. Right, like, real. I, yeah. I think like anything, it, like there have been cases where like people have like had like a stroke from it, but it's like any, you can get a stroke. Like if that's from like laughing, like any head movement that like. Yeah. Real. Okay. You, you're right. Yeah. You're that's right. It's yeah. like if you're primed for it, but, um, and also yeah. once my mom's chiropractor showed me and my brother, like how, like, if you really wanted to break someone's neck, you could do it, which is not oh the way to do it at chiropractic. But he, no. he like was like, here's how you would actually do it, which I did think was funny. But um, unlike that, like acupuncture, like there is like some clinical, like basically studies on it, like for pain relief, because yeah, I, like, and, and when I do, I do feel like the times that I've done it, it does feel like very like tingly in a way that like feels very good, like to like kind of bring like blood flow or whatever to the muscles. I, I ain't no doctor, but um, yeah. anyway, in this book, she, she really likes it because it does it, it the, that tiny feeling of, of, the like little needles is like very like activating in a way that that feels good and is like kind of a different sensation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, this book at the end, I did like the conclusion because, okay. Another complaint was like, they're like, there were plot lines that weren't resolved. And I was like, I, were there, I feel like everything was, was I, resolved. Like it was fine. What fucking plot lines, like where they landed the helicopter. I like, I don't like, yeah, literally what happened uh, how fast was Mango's body like degrading or whatever? But like, yeah. Um, one thing about it that is interesting is she goes, she learns before that like people might lose their senses if they go through a trauma. And also, one of the, sorry, not to keep talking about these complaints about the book, but one of the the things was like, well, her parents were almost too perfect, and I'm like, that's not true because they were trying to kind of fix it. They kept being like, yeah. how can we fix this? They were yelling at each other in front of her, blaming yeah. each other for her having synesthesia, which is not a disability. Like they yeah. literally were yelling at each other in front of the child who like thought she had a brain tumor being right. like, this is your fault. Like the mom was yelling at the dad being like, this is your fault for doing drugs in the sixties. And he was yeah. like, I didn't do drugs in the sixties. Like, yeah, that's She's like bullshit. your brother did though. So maybe, yeah. <laughs> like, um, the parents were not perfect. They were no. nice, good people, but they definitely like made mistakes. Right. And like, but she learns that people can lose their abilities temporarily if they go through a trauma. And she's like, that didn't happen after grandpa, but I guess I was okay because I thought, you know, Mango, like that helped comfort me and like helped him live on. And then, but after Mango dies, she like totally loses it. But then it comes back a little bit, little by little, and then it's back. And then she is able to reconnect with Jenna. She goes to her family's holiday party and Jenna's cat has gotten pregnant by Mango and has all these babies. And then this was very cute because like she names him Mango because he does have orange eyes. But when he like wheezes, like that sound to her makes like a mango color. And then one of these, this baby who looks like Mango, he makes like a mustard color um, when he, and it's just very cute. And that was just a nice way too, because I really liked her relationship with this friend because they're both going through their own things. And like the, Jenna, like she's dealing with like her dad's dating this like new woman for the first time since her mom died. Um, 
they're both going through their own thing and then they're able to like reconnect and like understand like why the other one was the way that they were. Um, and then I loved the, the little, like, like now she can feel good. Cause like mango has lived on in a way with this little, yeah. this little kitty. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It was a good ending. I don't, yeah, I definitely don't agree that I was, I wasn't like hanging on every word being like, are all the plots going to get wrapped up? Like, no. Um, yeah, I think, uh, this was a book that I could definitely see, um, oh, like, if I were wait, to the, teach. One other thing oh. with the plot I just wanted to say was that they do learn that it's primarily genetic. And her parents, like, I don't, mm. we don't have anything. And then I thought this was very sweet. Her grandma, grandpa's, her grandpa's wife who had died. Um, grandma is famously mom, grandpa's wife in this book. Yeah, grandma. You, We all know it. I didn't even have to say it. But, you yeah. know, just in case. Um, her mom's like, well you know, I forgot about this, but once in the car, your grandma was listening to a song and she was like, I, you know, this song is so great. Like I can almost see color with it. And the mom just thought she's being imaginative. But then there was one moment where she, the moms, when like uh, Mia was a toddler and grandma was there, even though Mia doesn't have any memories of grandma, really, they were like dancing. And like the grandma said something about colors and Mia was like, yeah, like I see them. And I just, that was very sweet too, like of a way that like, she doesn't know grandma, but like kind of a, a meditation on how, when people die, parts of them can stay living through other people. Like that was a very sweet and like comforting sentiment of this book. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I, I really, um, I uh, really liked it. I, what I was saying earlier is I would definitely, if I were teaching like a middle school literature class, this would be like a very fun, like, in like this would be a very fun book to read in an academic setting with students, like where you're trying yeah. to induce like Parse some good conversations and-, and yeah, talk about themes and because it's all like just good, like ambient, not in your face, like underlying things, but also like, you know, I feel like very relatable for most kids. Like the synesthesia is like There's- a very obvious thing, but like yeah. learning about yourself at that age is kind of like the main thing you're going through. And it's just very like, I, this is a very good model of sort of like, you know, learning about your own subconscious. And like learning that your worldview, learning to tease out what your worldview is and that it doesn't matches, ev- it does not match everyone's and that sometimes that's okay. Yeah. Another like, metaphor that I really liked in this was when she and her friend Jenna like the mom before she died gave them these friendship bracelets and she was like wear these forever and like you'll never you know become uh you know not be friends and like hers is starting to fray and like come off like as they kind of are going through these fights and then Jenna after her birthday is like hey like my mom had like left this for me like before she died and it's these two like metal bracelets and she's like I figured at this point you'd be like needing replacements and like so like it's kind of like oh like their friendship is coming back stronger like um you know that eh, I don't know that and that was a nice one that's like that's not really too on the nose for me like I think that's fine but like it's a great like this is also because they had set up earlier in the book that the mom would like the mom left a bunch of gifts for Jenna with Mia's yeah. mom for like each of her birthdays. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, it's not something that just hops out of nowhere. Like it's, it's right. sort of artfully worked into like the uh, exposition that we get at the beginning of the book. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. This is a good one. Um, I would recommend this if you're, you know, we have a lot of like teachers and, um, 
children's librarians, librarians. I could never be a librarian because I can't fucking pronounce words <laughs> right. Um, we have a lot of teachers and children's librarians who listen. And so I would encourage you guys, if you're looking for a throwback to give to the give to the youth, um, that this would be a really great one. It's fun. I enjoyed discussing it and I enjoyed mm-hmm. reading it. And it's just, you know, it's like a um, no heavy, li- no unnecessary heavy lifting with like language and stuff. Um, it's just a good, no. good, clean, straightforward read. Um, this has been Girls Like Us. We appreciate you bearing with us. Um, we're supposed to talk to Sarah Shepard this week, but um, we had a little bit of a... A, a kind of, yeah. A got in a, the way. Let's just a say, literally let's just did say get in the way. Let's say A um, got in the way and did some um, scheduling snafus, but we should have that interview. Um, hopefully next we week. Should be, we'll see. Yeah, hopefully next week. We'll see. Um, but we will Just be when you're it. least expecting it. Like yeah. A, we're going to pop back up. Um, like a, let's just say uh, a certain heart-shaped face, blonde, uh, blue-eyed yeah. girl might be coming in. Yeah. Um, very exciting. So we're all prepped and ready for that. Um, so we're excited to get that to you guys. Um, subscribe to the Patreon. Um, Patreon.com slash Girls Like Us show. Check out our Frolic Sorority Sisters at frolic.media slash podcast. Check out our social medias at Girls Like Us Show on both Twitter and Instagram. And as always, our lovely producer is a Camden-shaped space named Camden Stacy. Um, and Wait, our you know, he's music a musician. Maybe he is synesthesia. Cam, Real, let us know. Um, our music that um, uh, is by a very, I don't know, orange-sounding lady, <laughs> um, the wickedly talented one and only. Um, have a great week, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.